Some of us live with the myth that if God loves me, He would make things so much easier for me. Wrong. God loves you so much, He wants you to build some spiritual muscle and to demonstrate faith that requires effort. I don't know what's going to be in front of you this year. Uh, Every year has its challenges, but there's going to be something that you're going to face. It may be February, it may be August, it may be October, but you're going to face something. I guarantee you what lies ahead will include resistance and what lies ahead in the next year will require persistence. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Are you driving in your car right now? If so, glance up at your rearview mirror. Have you ever thought about the fact that the rearview mirror is significantly smaller than the windshield? Well, today is a great day to glance back at the year that is finishing and look ahead to the year that is coming. Not too long ago, that's exactly what Pastor Trent encouraged us to do. So let's listen as he shows us from God's Word, what's the one thing we need to do to look forward in 2018? Here's Pastor Trent. What one thing would you ask God for if you knew that He would grant you that one request? You could only ask for one thing. So at the risk of making God sound like a genie in a bottle that you, you know, rub and the genie pops out and he grants one wish, I, I just want you to think, what if God said, I will grant one wish, only one wish, you can have it, what would you ask for? Do you have that in your mind? Now, how many of you, somebody shared something with you that was better than what you asked for? You... <laughs> They did better than you on that assignment, okay? I want to hear some of their answers, all right? So you tell me. Somebody, somebody told you something that's like, man, I wish I would ask for that. Who, who's got one of those? Over here in this section, what'd you hear? Somebody tell me a really great request. Salvation for all. Salvation for all. Man, that's... That's the sermon in three weeks, so come back for that, okay? That's the third week in January. Come back for that, How to Pray for the Lost. That, working on that one. Good. So uh, somebody else in this section, what'd you hear? Yes. Wisdom. Excellent answer. King Solomon asked for that. That was a good, a good, good request. Somebody over here, here what, what did you hear? Somebody gave a good answer. What was it? What was it? That your kids would serve the Lord. All right, fantastic. Now, here's the thing. If you could only ask God for one thing, and uh, here's what I would want to ask. I would want to ask for the one thing that would affect every other thing in my life. So what is that one thing? I'm going to give you the answer here in just a minute. And if you've been paying attention over the course of the last 52 weeks, I've already given you the answer. How many of you were in church, in this church, in this room, on the last Sunday of last year? year. Raise your hands. 
Some of you are like, man, I don't even know where I was last Sunday. You're asking me to go back last year. I, I get that. I get that. And uh, hey, I, I'm, I am under no illusion that anyone would remember anything that I would preach a year ago. That's why we do this every week, right? I don't even remember what I preached last week. But um, if you were here for the last Sunday of last year, 52 Sundays ago, um, I gave you the answer. And it's straight out of God's word. Psalm 27 verse 4 says this, one thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. Do you see what the answer to this question is? Now, some of you may be looking at that as like, man, that just looks like I got to sit in church every day. That's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is this. I want to live daily experiencing the nearness of God. And I am not just going to sit back and wait for that to kind of happen. I'm going after it. I'm going to pursue it intentionally with urgency, with passion. I'm seeking after the nearness of God. And I got to tell you, if you get that one thing, you're going to have everything you need to deal with every other thing in your life. Now, we dealt with this last year. That's why I'm, I'm bringing it. I love, I love the new year. I, I, I just love this Sunday between Christmas and New Year's every year. Because it's good to glance in the rearview mirror every now and then. Are my children in the room? It's that drive. It, it's good to glance in the rearview mirror. You need to know what's behind you. You need to come, what's coming up, what you just left. But you don't want to gaze in the rearview mirror. You want to gaze out the front windshield at what lies ahead. And this Sunday is always a great time to do that. So what we're going to do is we're going to glance in the rearview mirror, see what we just left, what happened in the last 52 weeks of your life. But we're going to set a course for what's going to lie ahead. So some of you, when you turned and asked, if you asked God for one thing, some of you would ask God for good health. Some of you would ask God for a better job. Some of you would ask God for someone to love and for someone to love you. Those are all good things. But if you get this one thing, every other thing falls into place. And if you remembered what we said last year was this, this is what my thing was, my thing is to keep the one thing, thing one. Remember that? My thing is to keep one thing, thing one. So we have to, there, there's always a competition for what thing one is, right? There's always things trying to cram into the number one place in my life. So what is this one thing? To put it succinctly, we said this. Thing one is seeking the nearness to the one who holds all things together. So, thing one is seeking the nearness to the one who holds all things together. So here we are, we're glancing in the rearview mirror. We covered all of that 52 Sundays ago. If you were here, I challenge you to make that commitment with me. So here we are a year later. How'd you do? Did you hear the groans in the room? Ugh. Why did we have such difficulty with that? Well, it's difficult to keep things in the place of priority. 
So we're going to talk about it again this year. And I want you to open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to discover that God has some more to say about thing one. Now, let me just say as you're flipping that, flipping over to that passage, Philippians chapter 3, this place exists to help you keep one thing, thing one. And um, it, there's a three-dimensional aspect. If you're going to keep thing one in its proper place, then we're coming alongside of you as a church, one another. We, we help one another with this particular task. It's kind of like a three-legged stool. If you want that stool to stand, all three legs have to be in place. Just one leg's not going to do it, two legs not going to do it. It's got to have at least three to stand. Now, if you're going to make progress in the next year, spiritually speaking, you're going to need all three of these legs. And when it comes to what we do around here, we do it this way. We gather on Sunday for corporate worship. We meet in small group fellowship through the week. And we have a personal devotional life where we meet with the Lord on a daily basis. So all three of these are important. Now, some of you, you're, you're not even getting one of those legs right. I mean, you just, this was the one Sunday a year that you visited family and they drug you to church. Well, maybe this is a day where you understand the value of that and understand that maybe your thing didn't go so great last year because you had the wrong thing in thing one. And, and so you're, you're here to hear the, the preached word and to, to experience the, the, the momentum that you feel when others are worshiping the Lord. And maybe this is new to you. Welcome to church. This is what we do every week, gather for worship. But then secondly, not just to come and put all the chairs in a row where they're all facing one dude and listen to that guy talk for 45 minutes or sometimes longer. Um, and it's not, it's not just that, but, but we sometimes put the, the chairs in circles in a smaller setting and we look each other eyeball to eyeball and we share, you know, here's what went on in my life this week. Well, I read this verse this week that applies to that situation. And my kid is really acting like an idiot. My kid's acting like an idiot too. You pray for my kid, I'll pray for yours. Great. All of a sudden we see changes in our kids' lives because their parents are, are praying that they wouldn't act like idiots. And that's small group fellowship. That's what we do. And then finally, personal devotional life. To understand that my relationship with the Lord cannot be dependent upon any other person. I must personally experience the nearness of God alone with him every day. Now, some people, they embrace the idea of a personal devotional life, but they got no need for church. They got no need for um, a small group because, you know, nobody's good enough for them. Or Some people embrace the idea of church. I can come to church on Sunday, but don't ask me to give you anything on Tuesday night or don't ask for me to get up early and meet with God. All three of these are important if we're going to keep one thing, thing, one. So let's look at it here in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. If you're there, say, I'm there. I'm there. So good to know. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. See the word it there? Now, I don't know about you, but when I study the Bible, I want to know the antecedents to the pronouns, right? So what is it that he's talking about? If you let your eyes go back up the page to verse 10, he tells us what it is. And it is that I may 
know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And that's the, that's the one thing is to know him and experience the nearness of him. And the byproduct is you have a resurrection to look forward to. There's nothing in life that can prevent you from experiencing life after death. That's what he's going after. The byproduct is the resurrection. The product, it is the nearness of knowing Christ. So that's what he's going after. So in verse 13, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. So Paul's sitting here saying, I got work. There's still unfinished business in my life that's got to be done. I didn't obtain it last year. I didn't, I've, there's more pursuit. There's more progress that needs to be made. So what does he say? One thing. Do you see it there in verse 13? One thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Those are going to be our foundational verses this morning. And let's just apply those in this way to make some commitments as we look forward. What we want to say is before I look forward, I will forget what lies behind me. Now, let me just take a little survey here. When you think about the last year, good year or bad year? How many of you would say, that's a good year? I mean, um, well, dropped a few pounds, made a few dollars. You know, we're, relationships are good. There's money in the bank. feel like I've got friends. I feel like I'm, I'm not carrying any bitterness and resentment, jealousy. And, and you know what? If I look at my spiritual progress, maybe I went from A to B, or maybe I went from A to L, or maybe I went from A to Q. I've still got work to go, but I made some progress last year. Now, how many of you, it was a good year last year. Raise your hand, don't be ashamed. It was a good year last year. Look at all these people with their hands in the air, okay? Now, I have to let you know, for those of you that have your hands in the air, there are people behind you sneering at you. Do you understand this? Because last year was not a good year. Okay, but what I want to say to you, first of all, for the people that last year was a good year, you made some progress. Here's what you understand. Past victories won't be enough to sustain me in the days ahead. No matter how good it was last year, you can't rely upon last year's victories to sustain you in the days ahead. You know what you need to do? You need to forget what lies behind you. That was what Paul was saying here. If you read back up in the earlier parts of this verse, he's telling us about all his pedigree and the great things and, and, and things that he's done that, that are great accomplishments. He's not saying, I'm going to forget it because it was bad. He's saying, I need to forget it because it was really good. You remember in the Old Testament when God's people, the nation of Israel, they left Egypt and they were on their way to the Canaan land, the promised land, and they got just kind of, they started wandering and what should have taken them a couple of weeks actually took them 40 years to make the trip. And maybe it was like that when you flew home to grandma's house this 
for Christmas. I don't know, but um, they were they were just wandering around, and yet God promised to take care of them, and He He provided for them even down to their food, and He sent them. Do you remember what He sent them to eat? What was it called? Manna. Do you know what manna's? Do you know what the definition of manna is? What was it called? Do you know what the name manna means? What was it called? That's right. It's kind of like who's on first. What does manna mean? Yes. That's the name of manna. Nobody knew what it was. They would, they would look at it like, what is it? And the only thing that I can compare it to, the Bible really doesn't tell us what it was like. I just think it was like a Krispy Kreme donut. Um, I mean, you give me a Krispy Kreme donut for 40 years, I'm a happy dude, right? And, um, and yet there was something unique about manna. It would only sustain them for how long? One day, 24 hours. What God sent on Monday was worthless on Tuesday. And what God sent you last year in the way of victories will be worthless for you this year unless you continue to seek the one thing. Past victories won't be enough to sustain you in the days ahead. So you had a good year, did you? Well, how many of you were like sneering at the people that raised their hands saying it was a good year? Because you're thinking about what was in the past and you're like, oh my goodness, I, I experienced so many trials and so many frustrations and, and there were relationship failures and there was job loss and there was a shortage of money and, and my marriage was difficult and health was no good and some of the reasons for that is some of you made some very unwise choices and you're experiencing the consequences of ignoring God all year. Well, here's the great news for you. Past defeats won't be enough to suppress me in the days ahead. No matter how bad last year was, it has nothing to do with how good the next year can be. If you will make the choices based on what you hear today in response and do some things differently that will result in you being in a better place 52 Sundays from today because 52 Sundays from today will come. And I'll probably get back up here and say, how'd it go last year? Anybody remember what we preached last year on this Sunday? And you're like, no, I don't remember anything. I, that's all right. But how did it go? Did you make any changes? Did you apply or did you continue to ignore God? So this is the great news. I will forget what lies behind whatever's in your rearview mirror. Forget it. It's over. No matter how good, no matter how bad, there's some stuff that's going to lie ahead of you, which brings us to this. I will strain forward to what lies ahead. Now, I got to tell you, man, I really worked hard on this sermon outline. I mean, just really creative thoughts, you know, just really wanted to make it fresh and original that you've never heard any of this stuff before. So I worked really hard on that. Or I just copied it from the Bible. If you look here at uh, verse 13, he says, this is the one thing. And it's interesting that he, he says there's one thing, but it's like two parts to the one thing. Part one, forget what lies behind. Part two, straining forward to what lies ahead. Now, do you see the word straining there? You know what that word means? It means to reach for something 
that's only accessible through effort. Some of us live with the myth that if God loves me, he would make things so much easier for me. Wrong. God loves you so much, he wants you to build some spiritual muscle and to demonstrate faith that requires effort. You, you're, some of you are like me. You're, you're vertically challenged. My, my, my great pride in life is that I'm taller than Micah. And, um, uh, and yet the, the person that built my house, maybe like the person that built your house, was taller than you. And they put cabinets in places where I can't, it's like, I can't reach that unless I go to some effort. And sometimes reaching as far as I can and sometimes even straining a muscle to stretch it in ways that it had never stretched before. I can reach things that were previously out of my reach. That's what the word means. And what he's saying is, not only do you need to forget what's in the rearview mirror, but if you're going to make spiritual progress, it's going to require effort, intentionality, urgency, and dependency on Christ to reach things. He wants you to have these things, but you're going to have to receive them. So I don't know what's going to be in front of you this year. Uh, Every year has its challenges. But there's going to be something that you're going to face. It may be February, it may be August, it may be October, but you're going to face something. I guarantee you that what lies ahead will include some resistance. Because everything God has for you, everything God wants you to experience is going to be resisted by three opposing forces. Everybody point to the first opposing force for what God wants for me. Now, if you're pointing at me right now, you are missing the point, okay? Uh, you, You should be pointing at yourself. The problem is my flesh resists the things that God wants me to have. My flesh wants to please itself. My spirit wants to please God. But so often my flesh doesn't want to reach for things. It doesn't want to experience the stretch. As a matter of fact, my flesh wants people to bring me things rather than for me to reach to things. My flesh expects everybody to surround me and serve me and bring me. It's your responsibility to teach me the Bible. It's your responsibility to, to, to pray for me. It's your responsibility for to raise my kids. and It's your responsibility to make my life easier. Sometimes we live with those myths. And our flesh resists the idea of being stretched or strained. The second opposing force is not only my flesh, but the world. And the majority of the music that I will hear this year, not, probably not mine because I choose not to listen to that stuff, but maybe the music that you hear. The majority of the movies that you see, the majority of the news you watch, the majority of relationships that are going to be offered to you, and the majority of choices at your disposal will be to oppose you from reaching what God wants you to have. 
You're going to have to strain through the resistance. There will be temptation that will block you from the things that God wants you to strain forward to. And the third opposing force, did anybody know? Anybody know? Anybody know? What's his name? Satan. Remember back in the 90s? Saturday Night Live. Dana Carvey. Church lady. Could it be? Could it be Satan? Well, so often we want to give credit to Satan where he's not even involved, you know. But there is an opposing force and his name really is Satan that wants to prevent you from experiencing everything God has for you. But so often we think that things that are hard to achieve must not be God's will for me. And it's the exact opposite. The things that are hard, the things that require straining forward, the things that require diligence and persistence are going to be the things that are the greatest evidence that you are reaching for the right things. What lies ahead will include resistance, and what lies ahead in the next year will require persistence. So let me just ask you some questions here. What is it this next year that you are going to attempt that would be impossible unless God shows up? What are you going to do in the next year that requires you to strain and express faith that you didn't do last year? What's the one thing that you currently believe is impossible that actually is possible if God gets involved? I have a great friend many years ago. He, he challenged me, Trent, at the, at the first of every year, I make a list of impossible circumstances that I am going to target in prayer that God will make possible. He called them his him possible list, believing that with God, all things are possible. And yet it's going to require faith on our part to strain for things that otherwise would be impossible. So what's going to be the greatest obstacle this year? What's, what are some things that that you're going to do differently this next year. Let me ask you this. If you live your life in the next year exactly the way you lived your life in the last year, will you be any closer to God at the end of next year? If so, I don't think you're straining too hard to reach for the things that God wants for you. And what about this? What's the one thing if eliminated from your life, would allow you to spend more time doing things for God. Trent Griffith has been helping us do what the Apostle Paul said he did in Philippians chapter three. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So what are some practical ways that we can work on straining forward to what lies ahead this year? Next week, Pastor Trent will point out five things from God's Word, five spiritual disciplines that we can work on to help us keep the one thing as thing one. 
I hope you'll join us for that. And if you're looking for a church home, why not visit us at Harvest Bible Chapel? We have a campus in St. Joseph and one in Granger. For service times and church locations, just visit our website, harvestgranger.org. It'd be great if you can make it. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus. Have a great new year. And may God's word resonate in your heart and mind throughout all of 2018. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.